Well, I let you sit down, but I'm going to read the word, and so I'm sorry. Can you stand back up with me? At camp meeting this week, somebody called this Nazarene aerobics. <laughs> I kind of like this. I like that. We're reading in 1 John, of course. We're continuing our series um, through 1 John. Beginning in verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sins. If we say that we have no sin... We are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's a good time just to say amen, isn't it? If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing you these things, and we're moving on to chapter 2. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Lord, bless your word. Help us as we move through it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Who who grew up in the country? Who grew up where you weren't in a neighborhood with a lot of kids to play with, that you were kind of by yourself? Anybody else like that? Um, Now, there were five kids in my family, but my older brother was born in 1957 or 58, and so he's almost six years older than me, and then my my younger brother's almost six years younger than me. Now, I had a sister in between, and, 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 you know, I played with my my sister, Diane, but she would want to play things like school. (laughs) Who wants to play school? I I mean, you know, it's like, it was terrible. Uh, And and she would do, honestly, she'd play school with me, and I'd get in trouble, and she'd make me sit in the hall when we were playing, and, and it was like, great. When I went to first grade, the first week of school, and this is, this is not preaching, this is the truth. Uh, when I was in first grade, my first week, the teacher, I, I was doing something, I don't know what she's doing, she said, Paul, would you like to go to the hall? And I said, sure. <laughs> you know, I didn't realize I was in trouble, and so I'm sitting in the hall and waving at the kids, and, and uh, I had to learn that that was punishment, not, not a reprieve. <laughs> But I can remember a lot of my childhood, I spent playing by myself. Because I was in the country, there really wasn't a lot of people around. And, and I played, you guys are going to look at me and think I'm a weirdo, but I play a lot of pretend. Anybody play pretend when you were growing up? Uh, I used to pretend to be James West. Anybody know who James West is? Uh, yeah, there you go, Robert Conrad, you know, the wild, wild west. You know, I, I used to p- pretend to be people like that. I used to pretend to be sports stars when I was playing sports. You know, you play baseball by yourself, and, you know, you're throwing the ball up and hitting it yourself or catching it, you know, and Pete Rose. And, and man, all, all my idols are kind of are, are kind of lesser now, aren't they? But, but Pete Rose, or I'd play basketball, and Oscar Robertson was the name when I was growing up. You know, Oscar was, uh, you know, an Indiana boy and made well. And at UC and for the Cincinnati um, basketball team, pro team as well. Or 
O.J. Simpson. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, those of you who are younger than, than me, o, when I was 10 years old, O.J. Simpson was rushing for 2,000 yards. And, and O.J. was the man. Uh, and so, and we may talk a little bit more about O.J. as, as we move through this sermon. But, but there was a, a pretend life, an imagination life. And, and it's natural for kids, right? Kids should have some imagination life. It's a natural development. As my kids were, were growing up, we watched Barney. <laughs> you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm hoping that dinosaur was imaginary and not really there uh, for those kids. Uh, but, but you know, the, you know, imagination, pretend, is part of growing up. And it's, it's natural and it's good. But as we become adults, hopefully we don't live in this pretend imaginary world. Hopefully we, we are seated in reality and, and we're not imagining things and pretending things. And particularly with regard to ourselves, that we're seeing ourselves for who we really are. Not pretend. Uh, not, not lesser than who we are. We're not more than who we are. You know, this isn't an invitation to beat yourself senseless and think of yourself less or think of yourself more. But but hopefully we live in the reality of seeing ourselves truly as we are. Not a pretend. You know, in in our relationship with, with other folks, with other people, if we live in our imagination, if we live and pretend it harms our relationship with other people, right? Right? I mean, it damages relationships when we don't truly see ourselves for who we are. And when we talk about God and we talk about Christianity, we're talking about relationship. You know, not religion, not going through the motions, not ritual, but we believe we can have this real relationship with our Heavenly Father. And when we live in pretend, when we live in our imagination, in our spiritual life, in our physical life, it damages our relationship with God as well. God does not want you to see yourself as less than you are or more than you are. He wants you to see yourself as you truly are. And as you see yourself as you truly are, your relationship with other people, your relationship with God is better. Now, there's a lot of important phrases in, in this passage that we read. We, we talk about light and darkness. You know, the, these are biblical phrases. You know, light conveying good and pure and perfect and darkness, what is evil and, and contrary to God. And we, we see the word truth and a lie in, in this. That there's, there's the things that are real Anytime the, the, the Bible uses the word truth, it's talking about what's real more than propositional truths. Propositional truths, nothing wrong with propositional truths. But, but in essence, the Bible's saying these things are real, authentic. And then there's the lie. We, we see the words sin and confession and forgiveness. <laughs> not in my notes, but, you know, we, we struggle in this world with the, uh, of presenting the ideal of sin, don't we? Um, until we can get a grasp of sin, even in the life of a believer, all right, 
Until we can get to the point where we can say, hey, I really messed up and I sinned here. (laughs) This is contrary to what God would have me do. Until we can get to that point, it's very difficult to get to that point of confession, isn't it? Right? Can we just be practical enough to to realize that, that if we can't use words like sin, even in our own life, if we can't recognize I'm not talking about the world now, but, but I'm talking about us as Christians that when we are bitter or angry or practice greed or neglect or, or we, we, we don't do the things that God's calling us to do, that we know God's calling us to do, and we're refusing, that is sin as much as it's sin in the world. And as holy people... If we cannot recognize that, then it becomes very difficult for us to get to this point of confession. And if we can't get to confession, we don't get to forgiveness. So so these words sin, confession, forgiveness, and then the real, what I think is the real theme of what John's talking about here. This word, fellowship. This word, koinia. That's the point of it all. That John's saying, you know, all that God has done is bringing us to this point of partnership, communion, fellowship with Him. That Jesus has come to restore our relationship with our Heavenly Father so that we can be whole in our relationship with Him. That we can experience koinia. And he's talking about being authentic, and, and, and authenticity leads to deeper relationships. You know, relationship with others. We, we, we've talked a little bit about this, but, but if we're shallow, if, if, we are, um, if we build our life on lies, we, we have relationships that won't last. And some of you have experienced that in your life where where you've had a relationship that either the other person or maybe even in your life, it's not been built on reality and there's been this breach and it's been painful. Anybody ever have a friend that you never could get? You you know, I'm thinking of a a person that I was a, a friend with and I never could get past the sports scores, Right? You know, we need those people in our life that we can have that small talk to with, but, but those deep friendships are built on more than just the weather report and the Ohio State Buckeye score, right? So there's, they're going to move past this shallowness to this authenticity, and it's the same with God. That, that, that we've got to move past shallowness with our God. We, we've got to move past form with our God. You know, I, I love, I'm going to make a confession <laughs> to you. I love liturgical churches. I, I do. I, I love when they go through all, you know, it, there's a beauty to that, you know, and, you know, here's the word of the Lord and, you know, and all the things. That, but, but, but I've heard from some from that, that that experience that, that it becomes shallow because it becomes just going through the motions. I don't think it has to be like that. I think there's people that are experiencing that in a deep, relevant way. In our spirituality, we all have a liturgy, right? You realize we have a liturgy here. It's a little less 
formal though, that we come in and you know, we may play a video, we may sing a song, there's announcements, we have everybody greet, and then we take an offering or we receive an offering. We're not supposed to take the offering, um, but we receive an offering, then we sing some songs, then we read scripture, then we, we do a sermon, then we have an altar call or something like that, and then we dismiss. Well, that liturgy. And it's possible to just go through the motions in this place. That's, well, let's get through the singing, let's get through the word, and let's get out the door. God does not want you going through the motions. That was one amen for that. That was, that was a lot of preaching to get to one amen, wasn't it? This is not a time. This is not an age. Uh, can, can I be very brunt? Blunt? Brunt. What's brunt? Brunt's not even a word, is it? Blunt with you? We live in a chaotic, dangerous age. And this is not the time to be going through the motions. This is not the time to be concerned with peripheral matters. This is time to get into your relationship with God. And every service, every opportunity... Every devotional time, every time you break open God's word, it is essential that you be real with him and allow him to truly speak. Authenticity. And, and, and see, as, as we're going through this, this letter, it's kind of interesting. When, when you think of 1 John, one of the first things that you'll think about in 1 John is 1 John is a book about love, Right? Right? You think, John, you think love. You, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be in the middle of the second chapter. And, of course, John's not got his letter broken down in chapters and verses. But, but we've got several more verses before that, that theme um, opens or, or is spoken by John. This, this word love. See, authenticity. And John's starting where we need to start. Authenticity is the beginning of love. That in your love relationship with your spouse or anyone else that's significant to you, it begins with authenticity. Really seeing yourself for who you are. Not playing pretend. It's Father's Day. We have gifts for fathers after. That was the announcement I forgot. And what is it? What is it, Art? It's a flashlight, good, um, because God is light, okay? Yeah, it all just coincides. Um, fathers, T to be the father that God intends you to be, it's more important that you practice authenticity as opposed to pretending to be perfect, right? Now, hopefully you're perfect, but, but at the very least, you have to be authentic. I was blessed with a father who was the same at home as he was at church. <laughs> that, that when, I, when I think about my dad and my mom, I, I don't think about church mom and dad and then world mom and dad, but they were the same. It was a shock to me when, when in leadership I began to realize that churches sometimes have fights with each other. <laughs> My dad was a Sunday school superintendent for years and years and years. and We never heard any of that. 
All I heard was how wonderful everybody was and how wonderful the pastor was and how everybody just loved everybody. Because they loved everybody. <laughs> and so there was an authenticity. And fathers, you know, if I could say anything to you this morning, be authentic. Be real. When you mess up, confess it. You know, your kids know when you mess up, right? <laughs> Man, my kids know when I mess up. My, my, my kids are making fun of my driving now. You know, I guess I'm really getting old. I, I have truly become that old guy that leaves the signal on all the time. Uh, I, I, it used to be, and, and I've never turned the signal off in the car, so I don't know what happens when we get to a certain age. But, you know, you used to, you, you turn the signal on, and, and somebody tell me if I'm wrong, and you turn the wheel, and isn't that thing supposed to snap off? Mine doesn't. Terry will say, your signal's on. I go, well, I'll be turning sometime. <laughs> but be authentic. I was at, um, several years ago, we, we, I did several trips to Guatemala. As a matter of fact, we went last year, and we went with Manny Botris, and Manny was a Nazarene missionary. Then he, then he did his own kind of thing, and, and Manny had some conflict on the field with some of the other um, field directors because when they would build the buildings... Some of the guys were like, well, this is the squarest building in town. <laughs> and so it doesn't have to be perfectly square, all right? It's better than most of the buildings. But, but Manny was like, no, if we're going to build it, we're going to build it right. And it's not going to be close to square. It's going to be square. So David... I see you out there, and one of the first things you do when you build, and you, I mean, you start with one corner, right? And then every corner is aligned and checked and squared, that, that it's important that everything be in line to what is level and square. And John is saying, build your life, build the authenticity of your life to what is true. Build our loves to what is true. And, and so we, we are aligning ourselves to God. We don't align God to us. We don't align God's word to us. But we align ourselves to God and his word and his Holy Spirit, right? And, and so John's saying, you know, God is light. God is pure. God is perfect. God is holy. God is righteous. God is truth. God is reality. And as you're aligning your life, you're aligning your, your life to what is real and authentic. That, that you don't align God to you, but you align your life to God. And, and confession is a mechanism where I align my life to God. Now, Confession is essential to authenticity. If, if we want to be authentic, if we want to be real, confession is, a, is a, essential. It's, it's, a, it's necessary. Now, confession is, is not just recounting a list of failures and sins. It's not just, uh, okay, God, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, with the ideal that tomorrow you're going to do this, this, and this again, okay? 
Confession is, is not just to, to recount all the mistakes that you've made and, and God to forgive you and, and, and that's the end and then you can just go on and live like you want to live. We, we miss the beauty of what God's trying to do. We, we, we miss the significance of his grace in our life when we live in that way. That the confession is, okay, well, I messed up here, and guess what? I'm going to mess up there tomorrow, and I'm just going to let it go. Now, you know, I'll just for, ask for forgiveness tomorrow. <laughs> to, to confess is to agree with or consent to the desire of another. In other words, it's saying, God, I'm not right here. You're right here. And I'm going to align my will to your will, not my will. That God, it's my behavior that's wrong. And Lord, I am going to align the way I live to the way you want me to live. Confession aligns our lives to God. So, so with forgiveness and repentance, there is this ideal of, of not just forgiveness for sins, but a changed way of living. That in the true confession, in the true heart that is repenting, it's, it's a turning from our own way and a turn to God's way. Changed behavior is the goal. Confession frees us from our past sins and failures. It frees us from the things that have happened in the past. And it frees us to live in a different way. Confession also frees us from the lies these things speak in our life. Some of you have confessed sins in the past and you've walked away from those sins and you're not living in that darkness anymore and you've been saved and changed and yet those past sins are still rearing their ugly heads and creating havoc in your life. And confession invites us to move past. Confession frees us to fully live in the reality of God, the truth of God. Now, confession has an emotional and psychological effect. Even beyond the spiritual aspect, that most psychologists will say that we have this built-in need to confess when we fell. That, that something within us, when we mess up, there's this need to just say, oh, I did it. And it's therapeutic, and it's good, and it's beautiful, and it creates change. And, and some will suggest that forgiveness and confession, both of these things work to help us remember the past in a better way. To, to forget some of the negativity in our past, that confession and forgiveness can almost rewire your brain to see your past in a different way. If we go back to OJ, I've got news for you. OJ did it, okay, if you, if you were wondering. And, and I gotta say, you know what he did, and, and God forgive me if he didn't, but, but it sure looks like he did. I've watched him over the years, and, I, and I've watched this 
You know, and I know there was the public and the private, and maybe he was dark all along, and, and, and maybe this darkness is just being seen. But, but I've watched him over the years, and what I've always thought is, this guy just needs to confess. <laughs> that there would almost be just a lightning, and, you know, just let it go and just say, I did it. Anybody ever seen anybody else like that? That, you know, you just need to confess. When we confess our sins, we're saying God's right and not me. His way is right and God is truth. And it leads us to this deeper fellowship with God, this greater fellowship, greater light. It draws us closer to God. Confession always brings us further into the light. Now, I would say this, the greater light, the greater revealing. I don't know what anyone else's spiritual life is like. I just know mine. And I know long ago I asked for forgiveness. And I know long ago I consecrated myself to God and I gave him everything. And I know that I am saved and sanctified, but I know in my life that the closer I grow to God, the more I realize I need to grow. That I I see God, and in His light I say, Oh man, God, I've got so far to go. I want you to know that this pastor still confesses when I mess up. The more I know God, and the more I see myself, the deeper I want to go into God. And the pathway is confession. Um, you know, sin is not the problem. <laughs> you know, that's what John is saying. Sin is a problem, but sin is not the problem here. There is a solution for sin, and it was the cross. And Jesus provides salvation and forgiveness for sin. Sin is no longer the problem. Unconfessed sin is the problem. Uh, Boy, I thought I'd get at least one amen for that. Thank you. That was was one. (laughs) I'm concerned in our church, in our our doctrine. If holiness keeps us from confession, it is keeping us from a deeper walk with God. If we get to the point where it's two times the altar and I'm done, then we're missing the beauty of what God is trying to do in our life. And, And this ideal of God trying to draw us ever deeper into relationship with him. As I was entirely sanctified, as I was fully consecrated to God, it did not eliminate my need to confession, but it made me more readily able to see when I was wrong and God was right. So whatever language you need to use, you know, if it's a tr- trouble to say, oh, well, I sinned there, I, I don't know. You know, sin is such a broad word. Sin is this word missing the mark. And, and how often do we miss the mark of God? You know, if the standard is God, I miss that mark quite a bit, right? 
If the standard is violating a known law of God, I don't do that. As I'm in the light and God reveals, I I don't disobey God. But I know there's times in my life when God speaks into my life and he says, you know, Paul, I expect more out of my friends than that. (laughs) I expect more out of you than that. Dr. Dill, oh, and I love Dr. Dill. He's been at at, um, camp meeting. He's a former general superintendent. And I am working really hard to get him to do a revival for us. I'm trying to twist his arm. I wish I wouldn't have preached that sermon on learning to say no because it makes me feel guilty now when I twist arms. Uh, And I'm hoping that he will, but I don't know if he will. Uh, But Dr. Dill is a storyteller. He's a preacher, just a great preacher. And, and, And he was talking about holiness and the you know how God still works in holy people's life and he he talks about Peter and and Peter is um you know Peter's full of the Holy Spirit amen after Pentecost and it's after Pentecost that that God gives him this dream where he realizes that that the Gentiles are who he should be seeking that he should be preaching that he should not be calling them unholy that and 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 Dr. Deal said it was racial prejudice I I would say it was missing the scope of God. And he talked about it in terms of rooting out stumps. (laughs) So so maybe you're more comfortable with that language, rooting out stumps, that God's still rooting out stumps in our life. And for God to root out stumps, it takes confession. You know, I see... In the Bible, I see this. I, I see the contrasting of people. I, I see David and Saul, King David, King Saul. You know, both of them sinned, right? Right? <laughs> and some of their sins were kind of similar. But there was a difference. In, in Saul, you had this prideful refusal to confess. And David, you had, my sin is ever before me. It is against you and you alone that I've sinned. And there's this awareness, even in his, his sins, that it was different, that it, it, it was personal and it was, it was accepted. I think of Judas and Peter. Both, both of those guys betrayed Jesus, right? And yet one came to a point of confession and the other did. Psalms 51, 17 says, The sacrifice God wants is a broken spirit. God, you will not reject a heart that is broken and sorry for sin. We're going to close with some time of prayer, and Amy's going to come. We're going to sing an older song or a song that we all should know and have some questions for you. Uh, Am I being honest with myself? Ask yourself, am I being honest with myself? Am I being true to myself? Am I being honest with God? You're not playing pretend. You're you're, you're being real with God. Am I being honest with those God has placed in my life for accountability? Can can we go back where we began this series? God sees more in us than we see in us. God sees more in you than you see in you. And God sees you as this person living in the light, growing in your heavenly Father, true to Him, true to others, 
not holding anything back. I have a moment of just prayer, and I'm going to ask Bob to lead us. I'm going to go to the altar. I'm going to spend some time praying. We're going to sing this. Stand with me, if you will. As we're singing this, I, I invite you to come. Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I'm going to invite you to come, encourage you to come. Maybe you've not heard God speak for a while. I think I would come if I hadn't heard from him for a while. Father, to think that all can be well between us and you is such a glorious thought. That the sins which have separated us can be removed and never remembered against us again. Hallelujah. That we can walk in the light and have fellowship experience eternal life with you right here and now and then for eternity. Whew. Thank you for what you have done in the hearts and lives of your people this morning. Thank you for allowing your Holy Spirit to work in us so that our response to you will be yes, Lord, yes. And that when you reveal there are things that are unpleasing, that our response will be, oh, Father, I'm so sorry. I love you so much, I don't want to do anything to hurt you. I confess that it wasn't the right thing. It wasn't my best. I was careless. I want your will and your will alone to be done. And then you wrap your arms of love around us. And say, child, I love you. <laughs> oh, hallowed be thy name. Thank you again for all that has been accomplished in our hearts today. Draw us ever closer to you. And may we go out into the world that so desperately needs you and let the, your light shine in us and through us that they may know that you are real and that you're coming back to set things straight forever. <laughs> Hallelujah. And all the people said amen. Amen.